Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. I first met the impressive Linda Maschlechko in her dual role of owning an award-winning retail apparel brand that was a disruptor in its niche and serving the Canadian retail community on RCC's board of directors. Fast forward a few years and her retail brand is no more. Still, the lessons learned from starting, growing, and ultimately winding up her retail business are the cornerstone of Linda's new calling, business reinvention. In a compelling interview, she takes us through her professional history and the process she now uses to merge experience and reinvention frameworks to help retailers and other businesses get ready for what comes next. You know, one of the things we see with um, these tools about getting results is sometimes it it helps get over um, uh, a leadership strength or weakness in a business. Mm. So when we look at, you know, you've got... I'm sure you know these kind of people. They are absolutely great visionaries. They have ideas coming out of their mouths every two seconds. And their team just goes, oh, you know, do this, do this, do this. Linda, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks very much for having me. Sure excited to be here. Well, it's great to hear your voice. You and I uh, collaborated over, was it LinkedIn or something uh, a couple of weeks ago? And I'm like, my goodness, I haven't talked to Linda in quite a while. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. So it's really going to be super to catch up. Yeah, you were a voice from the past and I was excited to see you there. Um, I served on retail council for um, for a year or two back in uh, the early, early 20s. I guess yeah. late twenties rather, and yeah. uh, so that was um, that was great to be able to connect again. Yeah, and that's where the two of us uh, intersected. Now, where am I reaching you today? And my recollection was you were out west, like Calgary, but are you, is that's that still right. where you're based? Yes, I'm based in Calgary here. We've kind of jumped right in. Uh, you and I know each other, obviously, but uh, the people listening do not. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what you do with your time today. Sure. Um, Well, Michael, I became a retailer in 2005. And prior to that, I had a variety of careers. I'd been a stockbroker and VP of marketing for a mutual fund company in Toronto, then moved to Calgary. And during that time, raised a family. I helped grow a charter school gifted program. I built playgrounds. I designed dance costumes. I would say truly an entrepreneur at heart because I never started any of those roles having a clue what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2005, um, when my youngest daughter, um, she was then nine, she was really frustrated trying to find clothes that fit. And she said, Mom, we should start our own company. (laughs) And I had no experience in retail, but that didn't stop me. I knew there was a dire need for clothing that fit preteen girls, growing bodies, and active lifestyles. And I said, yes, we should. And it was a need so compelling that we created a brand, a triple flip, that reinvented how sizing worked for a growing body and how in doing so, we could help boost a girl's self-esteem at such a critical time in her life uh, and body image. So it grew quickly. Um, From a single store in 2005, we did a million in sales our very first year. Um, We grew to 13 stores in five provinces across Canada plus online, 60 pop-ups a year. The brand won awards and uh, grew attention from U.S. investors. And so we were planning a major expansion and, uh, and looking for financing, looking for investors. And just as that was happening, things started to change. And they were quite dramatic. 
Um, when oil prices started crashing in 2015, so did the Canadian dollar. And uh, we were producing about 75% of what we held in our store, um, our retail goods, and all of our production costs were in U.S. dollars. So this meant a 20% increase in our cost of goods. And I mean, that was nearly impossible to digest um, for a children's company because our $58 legging would have to be priced at $80. Mm. And it just didn't make sense. What we, along with other retailers, were facing at that time, you know, minimum wage um, across the country rose about 30%. And leases were locked in at a rate of increases that, you know, Landlords often plan a 10-year a uh, stepped increase, and those increases were no longer matching the market conditions. They were no longer realistic. So we had all these things hitting us, and it probably sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> you know, these are the kind of issues retailers face time and time again, and, some, and it's happening more frequently. You know, it can be fires, floods. It can be civil unrest blocking the road to your store. Pandemics, war. I mean, we we just got a litany of uh, you know, as if as if running any business isn't hard enough on a day to day basis. That you know, it's not getting any easier, right? It's not getting easier, and and change is happening faster. You know, Mm -hmm. these disruptions are happening more frequently. You know, in my story, these were just the things that were happening in that day and age, and uh, there are many, many things. Uh, disruptive things. Technology is one of them. Mm-hmm. You know that we, when we started the company, there there was Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you had to do things the old-fashioned way, and and so our strategy for expansion was based on you know what we had at the time. But ultimately, um, uh, Triple Flip, my company, was forced to fold. We were unable to restore cash flow uh, given the market conditions. We did a lot of restructuring, but we were unable to realize its potential, which was very sad. At the time, I remember <laughs> a mom mm-hmm. wrote in and she said, what will my daughter wear? Triple Flip is the only brand that fits her. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to say, send her to a nudist colony. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but, you know, what came out of that heartbreaking experience um, for me was just a compelling desire to help other businesses avoid the kind of suffering and loss of possibilities that happened with my business. Mm. And so, you know, I uh, I'd been get, was giving a speech one day. I was on a panel of female entrepreneurs, and they were all ta- telling about their successes. And it was shortly after my company had closed. Many didn't even know we were gone. And uh, I said, well, I just closed down my $11 million company. And the person next to me grabbed the mic and said, will you mentor me? That, <laughs> that began the start of my, um, my business as a business coach and, uh, and being able to help others. You know, they say you don't learn from experience. You mm-hmm. learn from reflecting on your experience. And the shift and perspective I gained um, in the last few years in coaching and training myself has helped me look at things in a whole new light. Perhaps the most significant change uh, that, that I made, um, this past year, I did an intensive program of study with Dr. Nadia Zaksambayeva. She's known as the reinvention guru. Hmm. And she's developed what's called the reinvention method. It's a series mm-hmm. of tools and strategies and things. It, it takes together the best of 
you know, change management and strategy um, theories and things like that. And uh, behavior, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral development, neuro-linguistic programming, appreciative inquiry, you name it. It all comes together in a way that helps um, helps companies and leaders uh, reinvent. It's, it's to me, what has always been missing is a set of tools and strategies mm. to deal with disruption and turn change into, into an opportunity. You know, I was taught you should have a BHAG, you know, this big yeah, giant yeah. goal <laughs> in the yeah. future that you're working towards. And, you know, this, this looks at it in a whole new way. Like if you're only focusing on your BHAG, what are you missing? You know, mm. <laughs> what do you need to do today to be getting there? You know, solving your problems, planting right. the seeds. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of interesting threads to pull on that. I want to start with, I want to get to, you know, how you discovered this framework and, and is that how you see it this, as, a, as a framework to put in all your ideas. But, you know, as you started your journey as an entrepreneur, I mean, I love, you know, it, it, retail sometimes has been described as the accidental career. Do you think <laughs> right. kind of ironically, and I've talked to some other folks who, who say the same thing, that in some ways a lack of experience in retail actually made them more successful because they didn't arrive with a lot of preconceived notions. And, and whether it's your ex- personal experience or the clients you talk to, is that, is that a thing? Like, can you have an idea can, with, with some great work and some great partners like yourself, can you have an idea and then move forward without experience in a particular industry? Do you, is, is that a workable, consistently workable model? Do you think? Well, yeah, yes and no. First mm. of all, I, I always used to to be grateful that I, I'm just an incessant learner. I'm like super curious and, and I dig in and I like to get uh, research and find ideas and things. And so I think that helped, helped me at the beginning because I wasn't uh, just adopting bad habits and getting stuck in bad habits um, that don't always serve you um, can be a real problem. So yes, uh, uh, a retailer starting out without without that baggage um, can do can do great things. And we weren't doing we weren't doing. I, I didn't have any companies to model after. We were creating right. something new. Yeah, you're that had all new, right? Before. You were yeah, you were breaking new ground for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, like I, I created a sizing range that nobody mm. had seen before because mm. I realized a ten year old could be an adult size. I I'd been designing costumes. I had four hundred measurements, and no wonder they weren't fitting. The, the standard sizing wasn't fitting girls because a 10-year-old, she can be an adult size and then she'd have to shop in an adult store. And that, what, what does that say to her? So um, anyways, just being able to think clearly and freely to address what, what is the need at hand and to be able to focus right on that. And, um, you know, that being said, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And some of the greatest mentors in my career came into my life, not when I started the company, but but halfway through. And they made enormous differences to to how I saw my retail world and how I was able to um, work the metrics to make it a more efficient and profitable company. Now, how did you find uh, I'm looking at um, Nadia's website, the reinvention girl? How did you two connect? How did you find her? And, and, you know, was that suddenly a light bulb went off? There's actually a light bulb on your site that this is the framework within which <laughs> right. I want to work. Like, talk a little bit about that journey. Well, I had, 
I, I was working uh, with training in appreciative inquiry, which is about asking generative questions to get a more engaged and productive result from your team. And her name started to pop up. So being my curious self, I I followed down that rabbit hole Hmm. and I attended something called the Easy Reinvention Lab. And it is a five-day, one-hour-a-day workshop that she offers for free. And this happens, you know, four or five times a year. So I went to this and I was like mind blown. (laughs) So I I needed to, to get more of this. And like in five hours, I was able to pull meaningful tools and get instant results from the people I was coaching um, just by applying them um, to their to their scenarios. So I just I just fell in love with this. I started taking the first course, um, which uh, was over a course of seven weeks, and then started ta- and then signed on for the certified uh, reinvention practitioner course. And mm-hmm. there is a whole community that she's developed of people mm-hmm. who are interested in reinvention and speaking yeah. the same language. And, yeah. you know, if you want to um, take a listen to, uh, to Nadia, go to her TED Talk, and it is called How to Kill Your Company. <laughs> and <laughs> it is a brilliant TED Talk. It gives the, the, the core seed of, of her ideas and, and how she came to invent the reinvention method. She's a scientist and an academic mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, has worked for companies as big as Coca-Cola and, and, um, and has put together this program through, through years of testing and, mm-hmm. uh, and improving. And she's always reinventing the tools and getting feedback. And now there's this giant global community that is contributing to it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, um, that you'll hear about the pace of change, we're doing a, doing a study right now, which I invite all retailers to contribute to. The pace of change 20 years ago, you know, remember when our parents would start with a company, start a career with a company, yeah. and they would, you know, they'd be there their whole life. They'd graduate and get, <laughs> graduate, they'd retire with their gold watch or rocking mm. chair. And, you know, that's how slowly things were moving is that in a life cycle of a company from growth to maturity, you know, in, in a 75-year-old company, it, you know, might be 35 years before they have to reinvent themselves. Like, mm. What do you think Go of the ahead. key drivers of that? I, I, I talk about this a lot. I hear a lot about it. Some folks have said, listen, it's, it, there's some, like, technology is just a very big umbrella. So, you know, is our lives actually moving faster? Is it an artificial construct in some ways? You know, for example, I, I, a lot of people say, um, you know, when you le- read a lot of marketing briefs is for the time pressed customer. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things that 20 years ago were a lot harder to do. Like there was no, you know, if you wanted to go grocery shopping, you couldn't have it delivered to your door. Like there seems to be some things that are more convenient, yet life, as you say, is it, is it actually moving faster? Is business moving at a faster pace? And what's the core, what in your mind is, is the core reason for that, why are things as big as business models moving faster than they did before? Um, there are many reasons, and you know, you you look at your your <laughs> ecosystem, all the things that are changing around you. Like mm. I said, you know, when we started, there was no TikTok, yeah. <laughs> and and so you know, as it as time goes forward, technology has really shortened the time frame of change. 
and as has globalization. You know, when I grew up, I had a big set of encyclopedias in yeah, my house. True. And that's how I did research. Yeah. And now you have this, this mass contribution to information. You have Wikipedia. People yeah. contribute for free. The skills have changed, of, right? I mean, right, I mean right. when you and I were I mean, when you and I were growing up, trying to find information was the hard part. Now mm-hmm. You know, now trying to distill, well, it's it, now you're trying to distill what's real, what's not real, and sort yes. out what's meaningful. That seems to be the key skill or challenge, right? Even like today, I mean, you look at the any of the social platforms today, you just don't know, some days you don't know what to believe, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. And I mean, that's part of why they do the study, because, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, they ask thousands of businesses around the world about their own reinvention and how they've had to move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know if you, you've ever heard this quote, but the owner of Blockbuster once said, Netflix is not even on my radar. I think I heard uh, the UPS uh, or FedEx president say that about Amazon delivery as well a couple right. of years ago. <laughs> uh, right. And so, you know, in, yeah. in the time of long, uh, long cycles, you mm. know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We don't have to do it. But now as cycles shorten, I mean, it shortened from to 15 years, mm-hmm. um, about 10 years ago. And then there was one, the last study was done right before the pandemic and it had mm-hmm. shortened to six years, which means that we have to be in reinventing at three years. And some industries even more often than that, uh, retail, I think is one of them. Do you see in the model, the COVID era as a great accelerant, um, you know, pouring gasoline on acceleration, or do you have any other frame of reference? Like, did it, did it accelerate already existing trends or do you think it, it created something new as well? How are you thinking about that? I do think it, it accelerated things. Um, some people don't, don't see the disaster until it hits them. There are opportunities to look ahead and anticipate that. And I mean, you hear of all sorts of people who predicted a pandemic and you know, clearly the Canadian government wasn't one of them because they shut down all of our biotech industry yeah. <laughs> to to prepare for that. But um, but when we look at it, the thing to keep in mind is disruption is going to happen. And so how do we how do we create a mindset, avoid the traps of thinking that everything's going to stay the same because mm-hmm. we know it's not and it's going to happen sooner and sooner and you know, again, this is about getting stuck in a cycle of, you know, if we do A, B, C, and D, we'll get, we'll reach our goals. Mm. And that's in a long cycle that can happen, you know, but in a short cycle where things are changing quickly, we need to be prepared to toss off the things that are no longer serving us and allow emergent strategies. We may not even know what they are yet. Um, to come into our uh, our uh, our strategy to reach the future, so it's more testing, more trying things, failing faster, if you will, um, but having a, a team that can uh, can brainstorm ideas. Like ideas are a commodity now; you can get them anywhere mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's how do we sort through those, prioritize them for our business, and really customize our approach? Because if if we don't, if we don't break it. Somebody else is going to. Well, I love that last statement because it, it's a good segue to my question. A series of questions around 
how do you know when to reinvent? You know, business is going fine, and what you've been doing before could be just you know doing well. You you may or may not see something coming in the distance. There may or may not be a crisis. But you know, I, I think you must you must get two types of clients: some who are you know, listen, I'm in a crisis, so I need help, and others who are like, ah, you know, business is fine, but maybe I should look at it. I, I was thinking, I was watching the video of. Um, you and the doctor with that uh, bison client that, that right, sold right. bison products. And I, it was a great discussion, actually, because um, we talk a lot about that in The Food Professor, how, you know, you know, things could be going fine until they're not kind of thing. Exactly. How, how, do you, how do you think about that? Like, you know, does it, and as my, my other podcast partner, Steve Dennis, says, you know, why does it take a crisis for retailers to innovate? Should they be innovating? And how do you know when to innovate? How do you know when something's coming around that's going to disrupt you? So one of the things we do with companies is, is we start with um, creating a company diagnostic. You know, we look at how do, we, how do we anticipate, how do we design, and how do we implement in our company. And anticipating is kind of the look at what do we reinvent. Mm. Um, designing is how do we reinvent. And then lastly, you know, the implementation of when do we reinvent. And so, you know, starting with what do we reinvent? Um, this helps companies uh, in this diagnostic. We, we take a map. There, there are 15 different ways to reinvent in this particular tool. And, I mean, it can be everything from customer service to uh, the customer itself, our processes, uh, the market we're reaching out into. We start to look at this specifically to the company. And I mean, there are all sorts of different ways to change your business model too. What, what add-ons you have, a freemium model, you know, they, they use all sorts of different ways to tweak their model and, and come out with a better result that serves them long-term. It wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction um, to, mm -hmm. to COVID. It was actually things that leapt them forward to the front of the market. Mm -hmm. So uh, using that map, I, I use it with, with every company I work with because it mm -hmm. it's like a heat map. It shows us where to go. Where is the energy for adding value? And, you know, I'm not there to make them, you know, bang their head against the wall and do something that, that doesn't feel right. Uh, we want to get motivated and be able to take action quickly to go after the low-hanging fruit. Mm. So this is how we prioritize what and then we, we start to scrub how. And then we pl uh, plan it on a, a strategy map so that we figure out when to reinvent. And it is not all done at once. You know, yeah. one of the things we see with um, these tools about getting results is sometimes it, it helps get over uh, a leadership strength or weakness in a business. Mm. So when we look at... You know, you've got, I'm sure you know these kind of people. They are absolutely great visionaries. They have ideas coming out of their mouths every two seconds. Yeah. And their team just goes, oh, you know, do this, do this, do this. You know, these are the ways we're going to solve this problem. And the team jumps to go do yeah. that. And then it fails. And why it's failing is because the time hasn't been spent in design. And we have other kinds of leaders who are perfectionists. And they figure out the idea, figure out how to solve the problem. They spend all their time in design. Meanwhile, 
Maybe the opportunity's passed. It's by the opportunity's <laughs> yeah. passed, right? Because you right. nail. Are you are you a fan of um, what do they call it? The minimum viable product idea. In other words, yes. I I, I heard um, a lot of retailers told me, you know, they 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 hemmed and hawed for literally twenty years about doing curbside, then suddenly stood it up in a in a week uh, right. at the beginning of the COVID crisis. Yeah, when you're thinking about the concept of a minimum viable product, we're talking about when's the right time to go on an idea and start building out. How do you know when that right time is? Because if you know, you've, you're describing organizations that kind of are too frenetic, they're moving too fast against too many objectives. So how do you know when, yes, it makes sense to do this, but not put, not get it to the 100th degree of perfection? We can settle yes. for less perfection in the trade-off for speed. What do you, how do you make those trade-offs and how do you think about that? I think about it as everything is a test. And we're, you know, the human mind, we can only focus intensively mm. on things for so long. So in 90 days, what can we do? Mm. What is, what is um, the highest impact, least effort to get this going and to test it and get some de- data? So you start with a 90-day plan and it's working towards a bigger goal um, mm-hmm. with a range of outcomes. As I say, you might, um, it's, it's proven you, a range of outcomes is much more successful than saying, I want to get to a million dollars. If you say, mm-hmm. I want to get anywhere from uh, five, 500,000 to $2 million, you're always going to end up more than your original goal. It's proven in studies with weight loss, actually, where mm-hmm. you lose more weight if you, if you have a range that you're going to. So keeping, this is part of the reinvention mindset. Let's keep the range open of the outcomes that we will accept and be agnostic about what the actual solutions are until we um, try and test. And each quarter we're going to review and say, you know, what do we lose? What do we add? What do we keep going with? And so that's the strategy is don't get yourself tied up in knots about where you need to be in a year. Let's start with the 90 days and do the best that we can with, with our minimum viable product and, and move forward. What do you think are the most powerful forces of change we need to realize today? We've touched on a couple of them, you know, everything from technology. Goodness knows we've got some external forces bearing down upon us of change. But, you know, when you sit back and think about it in your work, what are those fundamental things? Is it the way we work? You know, we, we now have more gig economy, the, the speed of change, the computing possibilities right the cloud and other things allow small retailers small businesses to do things that only big businesses used to be able to do what what are those key things in your mind that are those drivers of change that you that you and you need to recognize and we need to recognize i'm not going to answer your question (laughs) because (laughs) i think we can get we can get stuck and overwhelmed um thinking about that big picture too much I mean, the world is an overwhelming place right now, and I can't predict what's going to what it's going to be like in two years or five years or ten years. I can't so, predict what's going to happen next week. Some days, no, exactly. And so, you know, I think I think we we'd all just end up curled up in a ball if we had <laughs> to think about that all the right. time. One of the things that. Uh, I love to do it's it's called a blue ocean strategy with mm-hmm. um, with my uh, uh, my owner teams and my owners and their teams. It takes a look at where have we been, 
where are we now and where do we think we're going to be? And um, this helps identify. So if we take, if we use this for our customers, you know, we think of our customers um, before COVID. Um, location, uh, location really mattered. They like to walk down the street and be able to walk in the store and buy something. And so location was high importance to them that they had a store near them. Then COVID happens and location isn't important as important as before because the location is closed. Hmm. So the degree of reinvention that the, uh, the business needs to take to accommodate that change in client need, that's a more extreme change. And that's what we saw our retailers do. They, they did curbside. They opened up um, mm -hmm. en masse online stores, you know, so they could still continue to offer um, that product. So that was a radical reinvention for some of them. Some of them already had online, and so it wasn't as much of a push to amp up there. And uh, so they just had to change in small ways. Mm. But now looking forward, we think, okay, what's happening to our customer now? So one thing we know, inflation and gas prices are changing. So our customer has uh, increased um, demands on their, uh, on their travel time, and that's going to be more expensive to do. Uh, it's going to be, um, they're going to have less disposable income because they're paying more for their groceries. So what changes do we need to make then to accommodate that change that we see most certainly is coming. So, you know, if we were in the mindset like, okay, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, our province has dropped all restrictions, it's going to be back to normal. Well, normal doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And we need to be looking ahead and saying, okay, so, you know, my plan to expand and open three more stores Does that make sense or not make yeah. sense given what my customer is going to be looking for? Mm. They may be looking yeah. for less driving, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. so we look at our business model in the light of how we're meeting our customer needs. We may need to look, uh, I mean, as, as a retailer, we may need to look at repricing things um, to accommodate for the cost of, of shipping to purchase the goods, um, yeah. the shipping to send out the goods if they're buying online. Mm -hmm. All those things may be changing. So what does that mean for our customer? Does it mean that they can't spend as much in our store? They're going to buy fewer products. Mm -hmm. Or do we need to adjust our product line? So in our buying diamond of price points, um, we're offering now uh, a new entry-level price point to keep that customer. So these are the tweaks is like each each um, business will be different what their customer needs. Um, but it brings a very quick focus for the company to say what is important now and what do we see coming in the future that's going to um, impact things once again. So that's, well, that's one of my favorite tweets. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's so interesting around, um, you know, when you read studies that um, thanks to the COVID era, consumers on at a global basis, they – they still intend to spend the same amount of money, but they want to buy less things. That's another mm -hmm. countervailing force, right? Maybe I should have more, you know, go up in value, not down. And there's so many decisions to make and lots of advice from the last half an hour. But let's wrap it up with your advice 
Summing it up, two starts, one stop for all the listeners. Two things they should start doing today, tomorrow, and one thing they should probably stop doing. What what do you think? Okay, I'll start with um, a start. Reinvention is a process. It's not a project. So like taking a shower, if we don't take a shower regularly, we're going to start to stink. So make it part of the process in your company. (laughs) Secondly, Take showers every day. Secondly, take showers every <laughs> take day. Take showers every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here with my guest, Linda, who's advising us. Okay, <laughs> what's just giving you a hot tip. <laughs> hot tip, hot take. Hot tip. <laughs> um, secondly is uh, create a reinvention mindset um, to avoid the traps. Hmm. You know, think about what am I blind to? If I am just head down all the time firefighting in the weeds then what am I not seeing that's coming? Um, Take the time to stand back and and take a look at that. What am I focused on? If I am, as I said before, oh, everything's going to be good. It's going to all be back to normal, la, la, la. (laughs) Uh, Head in the sand or head in the clouds, just dreaming of of a happy future. And you're missing what you need to be doing today, right now, that can make Mm -hmm. a difference and add value to your company. And then what outdated strategies are you depending on? So this is, you know, with my company, the strategy was to open more stores, reach more of our market as fast as we could, when in fact, we needed to be collapsing the number of stores and creating hubs so that we could manage our cash flow better and have uh, inventory pooled in certain places. So think about the strategies that you've set for yourself and are they going to serve you? The stop is stop thinking that change happens rarely. It's constant. Mm. So mm. this isn't just, okay, when's the next disruption? You, we will be in the midst of disruption and change all the time. So instead of reacting to it, find a response that will help carry you forward and um, ad- adapt your processes, your services. Find all those ways to, to make your company agile and nimble so that decisions can, can serve you. All right, right on. Well, listen, it's been great hearing your voice. Uh, and for those who want to follow up, maybe learn a bit more about you or get in touch, how do they do that? Um, well, I am uh, on LinkedIn and uh, Linda Maslechko. Uh, you can email me, lynda.maslechko at gmail.com. And you can also find me by connecting with Reinvention Canada. And uh, they're on LinkedIn, website, and so forth. And uh, any of those ways, and I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. And oh, fantastic. I'll well, I'll put, put all that in the show. tools in your hands. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited by the conversation. I mean, it's, I love the approach and, and the framework and, and your tradecraft. And I'll put all those links in the show notes too, so folks can, can find that. But uh, until then, uh, as I said, great speaking with you. Thanks so much for joining me on The Voice of Retail. And I wish you much uh, continued success and, and, uh, Good luck in helping uh, everyone who needs it because uh, times times are uh, times are interesting and and it sounds like you got a great framework to help us get through. Great, thank you so much, Michael. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of the Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties: the Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next Podcast and the Food Professor podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least, 
If you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you.